0: Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast preview. We are looking ahead to Texas and K-State in Manhattan, Saturday at 11 a.m., and joining us now to talk about it is the one, the only, the life of Fitz, Tim Fitzgerald, the uh, the publisher, the grand poobah, the chief bottle washer of GoPowerCat.com. He is an institution when it comes to all things purple in manhattan kansas where well texas fans have come to know it as the bermuda triangle fitzy how are you doing (laughs) i'm
1: good brother welcome to my new studio
0: hey man i mean the the pandemic
1: caused me to uh, build a office studio man cave in my own house so here we go
0: i love it i mean our listeners can't see it because we are Uh, We are are podcasting audio only, but I love it, and I'll tell our listeners that Tim Fitzgerald knows how to put together a studio, let me tell you. Now, Tim Fitzgerald, I am fascinated to talk to you about these K-State Wildcats because you know what's going on, and we just see from the outside. We see K-State go to Norman, Oklahoma, erase a 17-point deficit, and beat the Sooners in Norman. And then we see him take down Texas Tech in Manhattan. Then, then uh, go to TCU, go to Fort Worth. I mean, Tom Herman is one and four against Oklahoma. He's one and three against TCU. Um, and K State goes in there without Skylar Thompson at quarterback, with Will Howard, the freshman, at quarterback, and wins twenty-one to fourteen. Then they take down Kansas. Everyone takes down Kansas. But since then, it's wah, been tough. Wah. wah wah. So. Tim Fitzgerald, why, why have Chris Kleiman and the Wildcats lost four in a row?
1: Well, they they were working a pretty good formula there for a while. They had, excuse me, they had special teams clicking. I mean, special teams just routed Kansas on its own. And um, defense was scoring some points or at least lending good field position. And then they went to West Virginia, and West Virginia's defense just totally took Will Howard out of what he wanted to do. And more importantly, they kind of took Deuce Vaughn out of things. So it took K-State a little bit to adjust to everyone focusing so much on Deuce Vaughn. They got back to figuring out how to get him loosened up against Baylor. um, And they still came up short and played much better. But really, during that start of that streak, they ran into a very good West Virginia defense. Uh, Oklahoma State's defense played really well and took Deuce Vaughn out. Then Iowa State was completely dominant on that day in Ames. So they ran into three pretty pretty good football teams. Uh, and then they just caught Baylor, and Baylor got the break they needed to win a game for them.
0: Well, and and K-State was missing some key players, especially on defense. Um, you know, our, there are two inside linebackers, two of their best players on defense, did not play in the, in the last two losses, right. Against Iowa state and Baylor.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, the, both their inside linebackers, or excuse they both their linebackers. Um, Justin Hughes and Eli Sullivan tested positive at some point. Um, they're best friends. So I, I guess it shouldn't be surprising. And one had it, the other would get it. Uh, they've been close since high school and, uh, Yeah, that that not only leaves a hole in the middle of the defense, the backups have done pretty well. Cody Fletcher and Daniel Green, they've been pretty solid for K-State, but they haven't gotten any relief. In fact, uh, I I mentioned to you that the the fifth linebacker, a young guy named Austin Moore, was also positive. So uh, they only had two of their top five. And that means those guys have played every snap. And if you watch the Baylor game, that last drive by Baylor, it looks like a tired K-State defense, which... Didn't happen at Oklahoma. Didn't happen at TCU because they had pretty good depth. And, and as the fourth quarter arrived, they were the much fresher team. Well, that didn't seem to be the case like, though.
0: Yeah, and, that, um, and Malik Knowles missed a game. Um, he was back against Baylor. But Malik Knowles is a, a talented receiver uh, for K-State who's also been a, a special teams weapon. I yeah. remember his kick return against Mississippi State last year. Um, so how much has COVID-19 hit K-State? I mean, we remember the preseason stuff where the kids went to the Memorial Day party. Um, how, how big of an impact has COVID-19 had on K-State football this year?
1: It's been been pretty significant. I mean, just, uh, they've had two games that they probably could, could have declared no contests if they wanted to kind of bend the rules, which I think others may, might have done this season. Uh, but that included Oklahoma. You know, they went to Oklahoma with <clears throat> out there starting cornerbacks. So it, it seems like a bad idea. And uh, started two guys they didn't expect to start. In fact, Echo Boydo was third on the depth chart, uh, got pushed into duty. The coaches didn't feel like he was anywhere near being able to play. He had shown it in practice. And now they have a legitimate starting cornerback. Uh, that's a redshirt freshman, that really stepped up. And the more he's played, he's kind of soaked everything up. Uh, So in a weird way, that worked out great for K-State. But uh, then they go to Iowa State, and they were really short on numbers for that game. And and then, you know, they turned around. I mean, in fact, they had like three positions. They were one guy away from being able to declare, having to declare a no contest. Then they're getting ready to leave for uh, Baylor. uh, And that final... Antibodies test you got to take on Friday. Right. Took out both starting guards out of nowhere. The guys have no idea, from what I'm told, how it happened, how they were exposed. Uh, But they both went down, and uh, so they go to Baylor and start two different guards that had no practice time with the number ones all week because all, all signs were good. So it's hit them pretty hard, but, you know, that's been pretty typical of a lot of teams this year. Really what's happened is the combination of all things, the, the COVID and the injuries and the transfer portal. they have got nine, ten guys in the portal right now um, that started the season on the roster. So it's, it's kind of worn down K-State a little bit.
0: Well, let's talk about the, the guys in the transfer portal. Um, how many of those are or were significant contributors?
1: Well, the, the most important one would be uh, Josh Youngblood. Um, who you know was an All-American kick returner, uh, just a really strange story. I mean, he was a, a great kid to cover his freshman year. <clears throat> you know, had the incredible success as a true freshman kick returner. Didn't really see the field much as a receiver. Uh, had a lot of things to work on at receiver, including route running and knowing the playbook. Uh, had double surgeries on his uh, shins in the off-season, uh, and K-State got a waiver because going home wasn't a really good option for him. He's from Tampa. And uh, so K-State got a waiver and he actually rehabbed in Chris Kleiman's house for three weeks. Uh, So the family fed him, helped him in and out of his wheelchair. Um, You know, it was a, it was a really cool story. And then he gets back on the field and decides uh, he should be a starting receiver, even though he really doesn't understand the playbook still. And, uh, because of the injuries really hadn't worked enough on route running in the off season, someone gets in his head uh, that, you know, he he's better than K state and off he goes into the portal and he ends up uh, just committing to Rutgers the other day. Cause Greg Shano helped coach his high school team when Greg was between jobs, I guess. Wow. Uh, I don't understand that story, you know, altogether, but, uh, you know, I'm happy Josh found a Power Five school. I got news for him. He's in Piscataway, New Jersey now. So, uh, if you had problems in Manhattan, Kansas, good luck, young man.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, well, so this is going to be, and obviously, let's uh before we get into the Texas K State matchup, and um, you know, the the studs for K State. You mentioned Deuce Vaughn and. That's a kid from right here in Austin, and, I mean, he's a pocket rocket, and, well, you tell us, what has the impact of Deuce Vaughn been this year?
1: Significant, I, and not just as a on-the-field impact kind of guy. I mean, he's 5'5". Five, five. I mean, for God's sakes, when you look up to Darren Sproles, you're a little guy. Um, he doesn't quite have the, the lower body strength Darren had, but it's still pretty impressive. And uh, he's just a really, really sound football player. I mean, his dad's a former coach, scout for the Cowboys, um, understands the game at a really high level. Uh, came to K State with a good understanding from watching film with his dad of what they want to do offensively, and kind of slid right in. Um, and uh, you know, Chris kleiman has gone as far to call him a a generational type player uh, because he ha- can have that impact. He is. Incredibly adept at catching the ball out of the backfield, runs good routes, um, but uh, with a rebuilt offensive line, at times they've needed someone that can make people miss, and he's certainly done that. And teams did a good job trying to, you know, I, you could watch Oklahoma State when Deuce Vaughn moved into the slot; they just realigned their entire defense because Deuce Vaughn was such a threat. This is a true freshman,
0: yeah, um,
1: and and that's a that's the kind of attention he's getting from defenses already. So it's it's really impressive. On top of all that, Chip—he's hes an incredible young man. Uh, very uh, adept, understands how to deal with the media. You know, it's—it's it's really impressive that after uh, games, you can get a true freshman quarterback and a true freshman running back in the post-game Zoom, and they both handle themselves like pros. It's both him and Will Howard have been uh, really important to this team.
0: You're listening to the flagship podcast preview. We will come right back with our man Tim Fitzgerald, publisher of GoPowerCat.com, previewing the K State Texas game Saturday at 11 a.m. Fitzy, Deuce Vaughn has done so much. Um, and K State had two starters returning on offense, and one of them was quarterback Skylar Thompson. Then he goes down. With the injury, um, and it's knocked him out, you know, the rest of the season, and and that was early in the year. Um, who else has? I mean, obviously Will Howard. I mean, give us your take on on Will Howard, the the freshman quarterback, and and his progress. Because to me, K State going, I mean, obviously going to Norman and winning is is huge, but then losing Skylar Thompson, going down to TCU and winning. With Will Howard at quarterback, I thought was incredibly impressive.
1: Yeah, it's it's been a a journey for Will Howard. Um, You know, he started off, everyone's like, okay, we got the quarterback of the future, and now people aren't so sure because he's really began to struggle a little bit more. You know, Skyler Thompson took a, a targeting hit against Texas Tech and went down. The hit itself didn't do him in. When he landed, he put his arms up and tore his pec muscle. Uh, which requires surgery. That's a good six-month rehab. So it'll be interesting to see if Skyler elects to come back next year after losing most of his senior year. I, I would tend to believe he will. Uh, and Will's been good, refreshing. But it's very clear in watching Will now compared to Will's scouting film out of Donington, Pennsylvania, that he's not healthy either or he doesn't have a good mindset and confidence during the ball because he does not have much zip on the ball right now um, it, it, it floats a lot on him and that was not what he looked like coming out of high school he could really zip the ball around so either confidence or he's banged up too which wouldn't be a surprise because he has run the ball an awful lot in some of these games because taking away deuce fun it's opened up the quarterback run game quite a bit <clears throat> just a really promising young man I mean he, he's really got something to him a lot of confidence but he's far from a complete product and uh, I think teams have now done a good job of kind of exposing his weaknesses, and he's thrown some more interceptions. In fact, threw an interception, I believe, on the second snap of the game at Baylor and set up six points. So it uh, he's had his issues, but the way he fought back at Baylor and, and kind of positioned his team to win was really significant, and I think kind of a breakthrough for him. Uh, the, you know, the other kid they've gotten this year is out of the transfer portal is tight end Bradley Moore who came in from northern Iowa, and one of those cases of a, fcs player that's clearly uh looking for a bigger stage because as a borderline nfl draft choice <clears throat> he knew that k-state used the tight end and bradley's been really good for kansas state but he too got injured and wasn't available for a couple games after taking a helmet to the back so uh, it was uh, <clears throat> they just don't have many weapons on offense you mentioned malik knowles but he's been mostly uh invisible this season as a receiver. He had a 75-yard touchdown against Baylor in reverse, but uh, I, I would tend to guess outside of finding an option football team, you couldn't find a group of receivers of worse stats than k States has. They just can't get the ball to the receivers.
0: Yeah, I mean, the leading receiver is Deuce Vaughn. Um, actually, he's tied with Briley Moore for have 21 receptions, and and so not a receiver among the top two in, in uh, receptions. And that's obviously uh, contributed to the offensive challenges. If, if K-State is going to win this game Saturday, how do they do it offensively?
1: Well, uh, when they're really good, uh, they kind of spread the field out uh, in terms of making you defend sideline to sideline. Uh, when they get themselves in trouble is when they allow a defense to kind of pack in the middle and really focus on Deuce spawn. Uh, so getting deuce in different angles and different ways to attack a defense, whether it's in the backfield or the slot or even out wide, is really important. Their their passing game sometimes features fullbacks. You know, As we just noted, tight ends and, and running backs are, are quite obviously a big part of that. Uh, and Will Howard running the ball because people have decided they uh, if you're going to pick your poison with K-State, having Will Howard run the ball seems like the best option to them. But he's he, he's not – I don't even think he's as fast as Skyler Thompson, but he's pretty adept at getting through space and, and getting into the open field as he had a long run against Baylor too. So um, <clears throat> you'll see a lot of, uh, you know, option football, not pitching it, but trying to decide, am I going to hand it off, throw it, run it. Uh, Will Howard is being asked to make a lot of split-second decisions, and um, I'm not sure, you know, he always makes the right decision, but. Uh, he sure as heck uh, plays his butt off, and uh, they're just not very good offensively. Chip, that's the problem. They've got to have help from special teams and and defense. If if it can't score points, then certainly lend a hand with some really good field position. They really didn't get much of that at Baylor.
0: Um, before we move over to the defense, um, special teams. Philip Brooks. Has a couple of punt returns for touchdowns. Uh, he's got a really impressive uh, 20, almost 24-yard average on punt returns. Um, what about K-State's special teams?
1: Good again. Uh, been quiet since the Kansas game when Phillip Brooks uh, earned some uh, – about half of Lawrence now belongs to Phillip Brooks. <laughs> uh, he had two punt returns for touchdowns. What he, he averaged like 40 yards uh per punt return on his four uh he had or more than that i think the stat was uh someone dug up previously uh the only big 12 teams had had four punt returns for 40 or more yards in a season four times that's the most a team had had up until philip brooks against kansas He had four punt returns of forty or more yards against Kansas, uh, and and matched what any Big Twelve team had done in a season. That's how crazy good K State was on special teams that day, and how horrific KU was. I mean, they were just—they were on their third string punter, and he was told to punt it out of bounds, and he punts it straight down the middle of the field to Phillip Brooks right on the last on the last play of the first half, Um, and he takes it back, you know, for a touchdown. So. Uh, the numbers are skewed a little bit, but Phillip has been very good uh, in returning punts. And K State also has blocked punts this year. So they kind of get you on both ends of that equation. Um, and now Deuce Vaughn has been backed up and is returning some kicks. Uh, but they do get Malik Knowles back there again, uh, who he's been banged up all year. But they're, they're still really good in special teams. Um, and so Texas will really need to guard against a big return for K State because that's kind of how they've got into a feeding frenzy earlier in the year would be get that big return, get a pick six, and it really lights up the whole team.
0: Talking to Tim Fitzgerald, publisher of gopowercat.com, previewing Texas and K-State Saturday at 11 a.m. Texas 1-3 in 11 a.m. games this year. Fitzy, let's move over to the defense. That's Chris Kleiman's side of the ball. And K-State's been really good on defense under Chris Kleiman. Um, and now, as we mentioned earlier, Justin Hughes, the team's second leading tackler, and Eli Sullivan, the team's fourth leading tackler, are expected back from the COVID-19 issues uh, to play against Texas. So what does that mean um, for for Texas uh, in facing this K-State defense?
1: Well, it allows more depth for K-State, which is really important for how they want to defend. They 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 really like to run guys in and out. <clears throat> if you're in the too deep on the defensive side of the ball, you're going to play a lot. Uh, that's that's kind of how they they go about business, uh, running guys in and out. The defense of the first half against Baylor, Chip was as dominant a K-State defense as I've seen since, you know, the heyday in, in the late 90s, early 2000s. I mean, Baylor had, I think, 88 yards of offense. uh Charlie Brewer was sacked six times in the first half, uh, mm. and they didn't do that with a bunch of uh, smoke and mirrors and you know safety blitzes. That's a four-man front that was consistently blowing up Baylor's offense. That's how good the front has been this year. It's as good a front four as I've seen at K-State in a long time, and a big reason why is Drew Wiley, their one of their defensive tackles, has come out of nowhere. Now, this is a guy who played sparingly his first three years at K-State uh, and came back from working out at home during the pandemic, a different guy, and has been completely, uh, you know, Joe Klanderman, the defense corner, said he wouldn't trade him for anyone in the Big 12. He has been that dominant. And, you know, then you weigh out Wyatt Hubert on one end, who's an all-Big 12-type defensive end and certainly played that way against Baylor. With some really good ends uh, opposite him. And quite often, if they get you in a passing down, they go to four defensive ends across the front and really get a speed rush going. But with Wyatt Hubert at 260 on the interior, he still's pretty stout against a run if you try to run the ball. So it's just, it's been really fascinating to watch the evolution of this defense now with Joe Clannerman running the show. Uh, they really get after you with that front four, free up those linebackers and safeties to go do other things. But if you can get a four man rush, as you know, uh, everything else behind you looks a lot better, and that's really how K-State's been defending. I think K-State's defense is better than the stats show because here in the last few games when Will Howard and the offense have really struggled, it's put the defense in bad positions. It was kind of like uh, you know, the opposite of a Texas Tech defense. The offense wasn't scoring too quickly. They weren't getting a first down uh, for long periods, and then the defense is back on the field uh, and having to face an offense, and it's kind of skewed their stats.
0: So this this defense was playing – it was reminding you of uh, the days when Mark Simino was running around knocking Ricky Williams flat for, uh, what, 1.7-yard average Ricky had that day in 1998?
1: Yeah, Yeah, that's exactly what it looked like. They were playing in the backfield of the other team. Uh, But, you know, let's not compare Baylor of 2020 to Ricky Williams and the Longhorns back (laughs) in the day because – uh that, that was a really incredible performance that day at uh, what was in KSU Stadium because they just really bottled up a really good running back. But that's that's the kind of way they controlled that first half, and then it got away from them in the second half when Baylor kind of changed how they were attacking that defense. And honestly, KSU didn't readjust to
0: it. Yeah, I will never forget that game uh at I was there in Manhattan when K-State beat Texas 48 to 7 and held Ricky Williams. I've never seen it really before uh or after uh held Ricky Williams to 25 carries for 43 yards, 1.7 it yards per carry. Really was. And everyone thought Ricky was out of the Heisman race that day and and by God, he came charging back and Put a couple of three hundred yard rushing games together. Ended up winning the Heisman Trophy, but whoo! That day was that was a cold day in Manhattan, and it was only September nineteenth. So, um, Michael
1: Michael Bishop would like a word about that Heisman Trophy,
0: uh, right? Exactly, <laughs> absolutely. Um, well, Fitzy, let's wrap up the uh, the game preview, and then I want to get a couple thoughts, sure. uh, general thoughts. Uh, from you about the Big 12, but how do you see this game playing out on on Saturday?
1: Well, it's been my experience, Chip, that uh, Texas doesn't like to come north when it's a little (laughs) bit chilly. And and you know what? And I found that to be true in basketball, which I can't make sense of that either. Uh, I remember uh, Texas basketball came up and played a pretty mediocre K-State team one time. And it was an ice storm in case they'd absolutely routed Texas on the basketball court. I was like, they just, they don't want to be here. I mean, they, they don't want to deal with the weather. Uh, it's supposed to be, you know, chilly, but not cold on Saturday. Uh, it's not like
0: 52 degrees. Yeah. As high.
1: Yeah. Um, so I'll, I don't know how much impact that will have. Um, and I think a lot of it's so psychological. I remember, Mac Brown bringing the heated benches and it was supposed to be a high of 60. And I'm like, really Mac, 60 degrees, you know? And so I think it kind of, it's about being acclimated. And typically uh, I have seen it uh, in Southern teams coming North. When it's a little bit chilly, they turn their pads. They don't want to hit as hard. Uh, This game is so hard to predict because there's so many non-football factors. Uh, You know, there's, there's guys opting out now for Texas. Uh, Texas is out of the big 12 race. There's so much talk about Tom Herman. K-State's lost four in a row. They've had some locker room issues, honestly. And uh, it's just kind of gotten to be not really about football right now in the pandemic. It's about so much other stuff. It makes it really extremely hard to predict uh, how either team psychologically will respond to Saturday's game. So, I'm going to be absolutely fascinated to see what this game looks like.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll say this about Herman's teams. They've always played people close. Um, he's His worst loss is a 17-point loss at TCU in his first year. And since then, it's been – That's
1: interesting. Every,
0: every game seems like a one-possession game um, for Texas. We'll see if, as, as you said, where where their want to is on this. Um You mentioned the speculation at Texas. Um, Matt Campbell uh, is a guy who is going to be a hot name. He's got Iowa State on the precipice of the Big 12 championship game. Your thoughts on Matt Campbell and the job he's done at Iowa State?
1: Well, I've always thought Matt Campbell was more flash than substance. You know, you get a lot of credit for being uh, always – joked that he was the next Bear Bryant, according to Iowa State fans. Uh, And, uh, you know, they've won eight games a few times. And that's, you know, the the sum of what he had done, which is good. Now, don't get me wrong. That's good. But the the hype always got ahead of Matt Campbell a little bit. Not this season, although they kind of showed against, you know, Louisiana that they weren't there. But I think the Big 12 made a mistake um, in the fact that – Scheduled so many Sunbelt teams that had spring football, Uh, and I think that blew up in in the face of the Big 12 a little bit. But uh, the the Iowa State team, K-State ran into. And you got to keep in mind that K-State-Iowa State State is a budding rivalry. All the games have been close, usually with K-State winning and breaking Iowa State's heart. So 45 to nothing, and it could have been 72 to nothing, uh, the way that game was progressing, uh, was dominant. Um, and they looked incredible on defense. He's got great offensive weapons, and believe me, if you're a K-State fan, seeing Brees Hall from Wichita, Kansas, turn into the best running back in the country is a little bit hard to stomach because Brees was coming out right at the end of Snyder in the start of climbing and there was kind of a vacuum there, and Matt Campbell got into Wichita and got him, and that's been a great choice by Brees because it featured him. So what I'm getting at here is congratulations, Iowa State. You finally got your breakthrough with Matt Campbell. You're going to play for the Big 12 championship and lose your coach. <laughs> so sometimes what you wish for isn't always the best thing. Uh, you know, and honestly, I hope he stays. I, I hope he pulls a Snyder and says, you know what? I can make another million dollars a year somewhere else, but this is, me, this is where I belong. This is my home. Uh, I hope he pulls a Bill Snyder and does that. I don't know how many coaches will actually do that, you know, with their agent saying hey, you can't pass up this money. You're set for life. You, you know, um, but I, I think he'll be at Michigan next year. He's kind of a Big Ten region guy, uh, and if you grew up in that area, getting a chance to coach Michigan, that's that's a pretty big deal.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's uh, so um, Oklahoma, obviously, K State beat Oklahoma to to start things off. <laughs> And then they got they got it going after dropping their first two Big Twelve games. How do you see that game if it's Iowa State and Oklahoma?
1: Well, you know Iowa State got them too. Uh, K State and Iowa yep. State were the the Sooners' first two games of the season. Spencer Rattler uh, was uh, you know the cocky young guy that could sling it all over the field. And as that game progressed in the fourth quarter, that formula I mentioned on K-State's defense really got to Spencer Rattler. They they knocked him around pretty good. Um, Wyatt Hubert and company really harassed him. And the guy that completed like 75% of his passes through the first three quarters went like 4 of 12 with the interception in the fourth quarter. So they really got to him. What we've seen over the course of the season now is Spencer Rattler's grown up. They've got more pieces back. And this looks like an Oklahoma team to me because early in the season, that did not look like an Oklahoma team. Texas should have gotten them. They uh, kind of missed that opportunity. And I think Tom Herman, when he's in his rocking chair, will wonder what would happen if I'd won that 2020 game against Oklahoma and come back and gotten that done. But um, they're really good now. And I think Iowa State's better than they were when they beat Oklahoma. So as the season's boiled out, we've ended up with clearly the two best teams that are going to, Float to the top and play for the Big 12 championship, and I think it's going to be a darn entertaining game against the dynasty and a program that dreams of bigger things. And Matt Campbell is uh, kind of in his uh, early stages of what could happen at Iowa State, um, and that's why I hope he sticks around because he really could get a Bill Snyder type thing going. I don't know if any coach can really match what Coach Snyder did, winning you know 11 games five out of six years or whatever it was, um, but I hope he stays, uh, and that's going to be a really good game. I would probably lean towards Oklahoma, but i tell you what, uh, this is a pretty darn good um, team for Iowa State. They've kind of put it together.
0: Yeah, um, and I, I think a lot of people are looking at Matt Campbell and saying, could he be a Bill Snyder type where they would build a statue to the guy. I mean, the history of that program that they're making right now is, is alarming, you know, four straight eight win seasons, never been done in the modern era, you know, since 1928 or whatever. And if they win the big 12 title, it'd be their first outright um, conference title since 1912. So yeah, I was, yeah,
1: I remember that. Well, <laughs>
0: All right. And finally, Fitzy, we have to get your incredible love. You know, your takes on everything are fantastic. If you're not following my man, Fitzy, at at Life of Fitz on Twitter, you're missing out. Okay, so Texas, they're, you know, trying to play. You got big money donors trying to play footsie with Urban Meyer. Um, Urban Meyer's trying to decide if he wants to coach again. Herman's still coaching. (laughs) I mean, no one does head coaching drama like Texas. Your thoughts?
1: It's incredible. It's incredible. Well, um, you know, it's kind of gotten to the point right now for Texas. I don't know how you don't make a change. I mean, how does Tom Herman come back next season and really have any stability within his program um, if he survives this season? Now, with that said, if you can get Urban Meyer, oh, yeah, you hire Urban Meyer. Um, And you make sure he brings someone with him that uh, is the next guy the Ryan day, you know? Um, but uh, I, I just think there's got to be something systematic right now at Texas that's making it really difficult on coaches. Uh, you know, i just maybe, uh, I don't know. It, it just doesn't seem to be working. I think Tom Herman's a good coach. I am mystified sometimes by what he does. Uh, but uh, if you shove him out, make sure your your lifeboat is pretty damn good. And that's for me right now, that's Urban Meyer. Uh, that's it. I mean, I don't see anyone out there that I would hire that might be on the table uh, that I would want uh, more than Tom Herman. I think he's a pretty good coach. Um, and it's just – I don't know what's going on at Texas, man. I think it's bigger than the coach. Uh, and it's going to take someone uh, more larger than life to solve it. And that's Urban Meyer. That's really it. That's the only guy out there that I can think that would do that. Um, you know, unless Bill Snyder wants to take that on in retirement.
0: Good luck love with it. that. I love it. Good, luck. Good luck with that. There he is, kids. Tim Fitzgerald, publisher of gopowercat.com. Um, of course, the K-State site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And to all of our new members who just joined, um, kudos to you for sin- signing up and getting that annual membership because that gives you access to all the VIP content on all the sites in the twenty-four-seven sports network, including GoPowerCat.com, where um, they are the Bible of what's going on with K-State football. Fitzy, you're the best. Um, happy holidays to you, my friend, and uh, and thanks so much for joining us here on the uh, flagship podcast preview.
1: You know I will. Thank you, brother. Good to talk to you.
0: And for uh, for myself, Chip Brown, and for Fitzy. Uh, We thank you for listening to the flagship podcast preview, looking ahead to Texas and Kansas state until next time, stay safe and keep the faith.